This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Wanda Easter Birch, historian and former site manager of historic Johnson Hall in Johnstown, New York, has written extensively about dreams. Wanda's dreams foretold her diagnosis of cancer years ago, then guided her toward treatment and wellness. She wrote about that experience in her 2003 book, She Who Dreams, A Journey into Healing Through Dreamwork. This summer, McFarland Publishing will issue a book written by Wanda Birch called The Home Voices Speak Louder Than the Drums, Dreams and the Imagination in Civil War Letters and Memoirs. Please come to me, please come to me. A million seems I've been writing Wanda, how did you come to write this book about dreams in the Civil War? Well, um, back in about 2007 or so, I was attending a vernacular architecture forum conference in Savannah, Georgia. And I walked into a bookstore, and as you know, I have an interest in dreams, and I picked up a book on Civil War soldiers' letters from Georgia. And I opened the book, and the first thing I saw was a letter written by a soldier named Henry Graves from um, a regiment in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And the words that I read was that soldier mortals would not survive if they were not blessed with the gift of imagination and the pictures of hope, and the second angel of mercy is the night dream. And he proceeded then to write to his... Um, to his friend Mm -hmm. that he had the most extraordinary dream of his life and it felt more real than any dream he had ever experienced in which he saw her, he he put his arms around her, he jumped over a row of flowers and caught her around the waist. He went on to describe going into an arbor where there were peach trees and he could smell the peaches, he could feel the breeze on his face, and then a snap of a twig woke him up and he awoke with a start, and he was a little bit accusatory. He said, why, why did you leave me? Hmm. I was enjoying this unbelievable experience with you, and you're gone. Hmm. So I started flipping through the book, and there were dreams after dream after dream written by soldiers. And almost to a person, they said it was the most real dream they had ever experienced. And I thought, okay, if there's that many dreams in a book of letters, in uh, a book specifically to Georgian mm-hmm. soldiers, there have to be others. So I started going through archives and journals and everything that I could find, and they were everywhere. There's, really? there's literally um, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of references. And um, since then, I've also talked to soldiers from current wars. And they all say that dreams of home, as they describe it, and however home, whatever home means to them, it doesn't have to be the house you grew up in, Mm -hmm. but however they're defining home, that dreams of home on the battlefield are more real than any dreams they have. Hmm. And they, uh, you you found that they wrote the dreams down. I wonder if soldiers today do that. They absolutely uh, do. There is a, um, a, 
online, um, I, I'm not sure if it's still online, there was an online organization called Backstory, and they interviewed soldiers from today. And I was on the Backstory presentation, and I was speaking with soldiers from Iraq and Afghanistan, and they were describing the same kind of dreams that I was recording from the letters in the Civil War soldiers, of the Civil War soldiers, and I suspect of any war going back to the beginning of time. They dream of home, they dream of food, they dream of the things that gave them comfort and kept them sane um, in their waking life, and they brought these things with them in their dreams. And in, in most cases, these are the dreams that kept them equally as sane and brought them close to home on the battlefield. What happens is those dreams can become distorted and become the nightmare that that becomes what we know is as a different kind of experience from the battlefield. So there's a thin line that you cross and Carl Jung is quoted as saying that when the soldier ceases to dream of home on the battlefield, he should be taken off the battlefield and allowed the experience and the time to rest and bring back that kind of dream that gives him comfort hmm. and keeps him in that realm of, of being a person and not an animal on the hmm. battlefield before he's sent back out. And, of course, you have all sorts of experiences that change the dream of home from something that's safe to something that is not safe, and I talk about those, too. Okay, I was going to ask you that. I guess you, it, yeah. So you include uh, accounts of dreams that are not happy or not pl- pleasant. Oh, ab- absolutely. And what, what um, was described now as PTSD, which is simply a label, it doesn't mean anything, was described, in my opinion, in a more evocative way in the Civil War. It was called Soldier's Heart. And a man named DaCosta, who was a physician on the battlefield, was the first person to notice that a soldier's heart beats differently when his dreams become nightmares and that he cannot get rid of them. They become part of his persona. And and then, you know, this was this was a, a physical change as well as a change in dreaming. Mm-hmm. And he was the first person to actually write down the changes he saw and what was happening to the soldier and gave it a name that, in my opinion, says more about what is going on with the soldier in the battlefield than what we say now. Were you also able to see letters that were written in response to the soldier dreams? Yes, there are letters from families. There's letters from children. Uh, there are actually sets of letters that go back and forth between the person that the soldier is writing to and the and then the person that you know is responding and they often respond about the dreams there is a um, New York regiment a soldier in one of the New York regiments named chaplain Charles Hager his letters are in the New York State archives and they have not been published and he wrote an amazing set of uh, letters on dreams in which he's writing to his wife and he sees her. Mm-hmm. He says that he can sit down in camp and he can close his eyes and he's not playing cards or games like the other soldiers. He's literally flying to her side in his mind. And it's in, in his flights to her side are very accurate because she will respond to him in the same way that he is writing to her about these dreams. And in one case, he saw her sitting, looking very sad and lonely, in a chair. 
and he decided that he needed to make her happy and he decided that what he needed to do is is have an image taken of himself so the next time he came into a town he went to a person who was doing daguerreotypes Mm -hmm. and he found out the daguerreotype was going to cost him something like three or four dollars which he thought was outrageous but he decided that Mm -hmm. the dream was worth it so he bought the daguerreotype and he sent it to her and she said she received it and that she she felt his presence in the room and she received the daguerreotype and she was happier and he could see this and they could see each other in their dreams back and forth in addition to the book that Wanda Birch has uh, written, she's also written liner notes showcasing dreams of soldiers in the Civil War to accompany a music CD by the 77th New York Regimental Balladeers, Come Dearest, The Daylight Is Gone, which features Amelia, written and composed by singer-songwriter John Kenoshian. We'll be hearing uh, that uh, song in a, in a bit, and John Kenoshian also joins us. He began drawing and playing piano at age four, performing accordion at age five, worked as a professional performer and songwriter for 10 years in New York City, and today performs with the Civil War Band, the 77th New York Regimental Balladeers. Uh, John, how did you link up with Wanda and her collection of dream letters from the Civil War? Uh, Wanda and I... uh... I met uh, her husband, Ron. He plays with the Balladeers also. He plays keyboard, uh, piano. And uh, we met, I met Wanda in the uh, studio while I was producing the album uh, and recording Amelia. And uh, we just started talking. And uh, she was telling me about her new book. And we, uh, I decided, well, it might be a, a good time to, you know, some write some songs for this book uh, as she was saying before there's other people in the there's other stories in the book about Addie Case and John Tidd was basically the one I wrote for Amelia for and we've been working on that ever since hmm. and how did you do this I mean a, a little bit about the process of making uh, these letters into songs uh, it, it sort of comes naturally you know, she She's such a, a brilliant writer, and just taking a few phrases and uh, some of the paragraphs that she uh, she uh, has given me, I basically sat down and wrote most of them in probably 20 minutes. Okay. Now, the song Amelia, which we will hear, it says was written for the play Dear Amelia and based on Civil War letters of John Tidd and Amelia Haskell. Uh, John, what was the... Uh, play uh that 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 was a book uh from a, a friend of mine uh, mary jordan uh uh that she wrote a book called amelia and she had an idea her and i turn it into a play into a short play so uh i produced that and she wrote most of the play and that's when i wrote the uh the, the uh song amelia uh and a few other songs which uh, go along with that play. It was a, sh- a short play, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 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 what was it, a two-part play? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Now, John Tidd and Amelia uh, Haskell are, are the principals, if you will, here. Th- these are the dreams of John Tidd, I, I presume. Uh, Wanda, was that included in, in your book? 
Yes, uh, those I had permission from Mary Jordan to le- to use the references that John Tidd made to dreaming, and he was not um, he his dreams were not quite as specifically uh, lined out in his letters as some of the other soldiers in my book. He did, but he said some really nice things about the general notion of soldiers writing about their dreams on the battlefield. And he was always stressed when he would wake up and find that the reality of the dream had disappeared and left him on the battlefield facing the waking reality of being a soldier in a really difficult environment and still longing for the dream to be in place in his mind and heart. And that stressed him a lot to not be able to bring those two things together and have them complement each other. Let's listen now to the song, Amelia, uh, about John Tidd and Amelia Haskell, or written by John Tidd for Amelia Haskell, uh, the music performed by John Kenoshian. Further than I really want 
Listening to the Historians Podcast, I'm Bob Cudmore. We're joined by Wanda Birch and John Kenoshian talking about dream tales from the Civil War. In terms of the the song we we just heard, what what happened or what was John Tidd's story? John Tidd became ill. He had been writing to his friend Amelia Haskell. They were not married. They were not even um girlfriend boyfriend but they were dear friends and he was writing to her as a as a letter companion and he became quite ill and as you know disease killed more soldiers in the on the battlefield in the civil war than the battles themselves the disease was a was an, an incredible foe for, mm-hmm. for both sides and he was unable to recover he had dysentery and as he was dying in the hospital, he began writing to Amelia and saying, literally, please come to me, because if you don't, you won't ever see me alive again. And she did arrive, but she arrived too late, and he had already died. So mm-hmm. it's one of the sad stories in the book. He was from uh, New York? He was. Uh, and uh, Speeds, yes. Um, John remembers. I couldn't remember where he was from. I'm sorry, you said Speedsville? Yeah, he's from, he was from Speedsville, which is out towards uh, Binghamton, New York. Wow. Again, uh, we're talking about the dreams of uh, Civil War soldiers, a new book by Wanda Birch called The Home Voices Speak Louder Than the Drums. Also joining us, singer-songwriter John Kenoshian. We'll be back after this word for the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. The Historian's Podcast needs your help. We appreciate all the donations that have been coming in to our GoFundMe campaign. Here's how you donate. Go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Historians 2017. Or you can send a check made out to me, Bob Cudmore, and send to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. That's 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. We're talking with Wanda Birch and John Kenoshian about a book that Wanda's written, The Home Voices Speak Louder Than the Drums, 
and also a series of performances uh, that uh, John Kenoshian, I believe, will do, and perhaps uh, others in concert with uh, uh, Wanda Birch, and maybe it's time to ask about that. Uh, this depended, uh, and neither one of you could take this, uh, on, a, on a grant. Uh, how did that come to be? Uh, Saratoga Arts has a, a granting series that they call Community Arts Grants, that they give to museums in the area each year. And then they have an even more limited number of grants. They give one grant to each county, and Saratoga Arts has Fulton, Montgomery, and Saratoga County. And they give one from each county to an individual artist. So I wrote a grant for John and I to do a set of performances in which I read from the letters, and then he plays and sings the songs that he's written based on some of these letters and um we received the grant we were um i was a little i was uh i was pleasantly surprised i wasn't expecting it so we are going to be doing six performances and the first two are coming up in june on friday june 2nd we're going to be at the upstate chapel in canajahari which is a performance venue that was uh, it was a church purchased by Eric Stroud, and now it's a performance venue in Canajahari, and that's at seven o'clock at night on Friday, June second, and then on Friday, June sixteenth, a couple of weeks later at seven thirty, we're going to be performing at Con- Conservancy Hall here in Glen, uh, where I live, and Conservancy Hall was a church hall that was owned by the Glen Reformed Church, and they sold it to the Glen Conservancy for a dollar, so it's going to be now a performance venue as well. And we're using um, some of the, the funds raised by the organization to work on the, the building itself, but the performances are uh, Saratoga. We have our own set of grants for that. Uh, specific to the Conservancy Hall, but we're going to be one of the performances in Conservancy Hall. That might get a little confusing, but anyway, we're going to be there Friday, June 16th, 7.30 p.m., and as an individual artist, uh, John Kenosha and I, uh, performing, um, reading from letters and performing his songs. And, uh, John, you have a, there's a CD in which you sing some of these uh, dream songs from the Civil War? Yes, I'm working on that now. We're mastering it right now, and that'll be available also. Oh, when you have the concerts? Yes. Very good. Well, you know, I mean, this is a little aside, but um, our friend Jay Town, I think, uh, got uh, a similar grant from this the Saratoga Arts Council for the radio drama, which uh, he, he does uh, produces in Amsterdam. Oh, that's that's wonderful. That's great. Yep. Now, back to the uh, letters from... Uh, soldiers in, in the Civil War talking about their dreams. Uh, Wanda, you were telling me that uh, you, there's an, at least one other story you wanted to bring up, and that was the story of Addie Case. Who was that? Addie Case and Charlie Tenney both came from Mecca, Ohio. And Charlie had um, a family that was not very responsive to him. So on his parting night, there was a party in town, and they were sending the young soldiers off to war, and he wanted someone to write to. And he knew Addie Case, but he didn't know her well. But he approached her, and he said, can I write to you? And she said, yes. So he goes off to war, and very rapidly he falls in love with her as he's writing these letters. 
she's not quite as sure about him, so she's saying back to him, I'm writing these letters as a sister to a brother, and he's saying, yeah, yeah, okay. And then he continues to press the point and says, I'm in love with you. Finally, she reluctantly admits that, yes, she's falling in love with him too. And then she, something else starts to happen because she's dreaming of him, but the dreams turn terrifying. She begins to dream that Charlie has died, and now that she is in love with him, these dreams are just really nightmares for her. So she's writing to Charlie and, and telling him to be careful that she's dreaming of his death. So he writes back and he says, I'm going through all the battles and I'm fine. So, what you know, this is, this is silly, this is nonsense, and I'm dreaming of you, but I'm dreaming of you as an angel by my side. And what he's actually doing is dreaming precognitive dreams of his own death, but he's not understanding that. She's writing back and saying, no, you don't dream. I mean, you don't die on a battlefield. You die in a hospital bed. That's what I'm dreaming. So time passes. Her dreams become more and more terrifying. She sees him everywhere in every dream. She sees him when she's waking. She sees him when she's sleeping, and she sees his death. Then Charlie gets sick at Harper's Ferry, but he doesn't tell her because he knows that this will upset her. And he is placed in a, in a hospital, a makeshift hospital in an old church, and she's still dreaming of his death. And now he's willing to admit that this is serious. So people are writing back to her, and she's once again still terrified but then she has a remarkable dream. It's January 15th, 1863, and on that same day, Charlie is near death on a hospital bed, on a cot of straw in this old church. She dreams that she rises from her body in the dream and that she's walking through the church. She sees the church. And as she's walking through, she's shoving people out of her way who are rising from their beds. And these are soldiers who have died, and they're trying to get her attention in the dream. So she's pushing them aside because she only wants to get to Charlie. And she comes to his side, and she bends down, and he looks up, and he says, Have you come? And that was the end of her dream. The most remarkable thing is the dream occurred the moment Charlie died. She didn't realize this. She mailed her letter the next morning, and the letter crossed paths with his death. My goodness. And again, where were they? Were she from? She was, they were both from Mecca, Ohio, but he died in Harper's Ferry, uh, West Virginia, in a church just across the river. I, just a few seconds left. Did Confederate and Union soldiers dream about different things? They, they both dreamed of home somewhat different landscapes the southern soldiers dreams are often longer and more evocative but not always but huh. but but often they are well i thank you both uh, for joining us on the historians podcast you've been listening to the historians uh, podcast with uh, wanda birch her new book is the home voices speak louder than the drums dreams and the imagination in civil war Letters and Memoirs. Uh, the book is uh, uh, out, and it's uh, or will be out 
if it it's not out, out now. Yes, not, yes. not oh, out no, yet. It, well, it'll, it'll be out soon, uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, it'll be something you might want to pick up. And also joining us, John Kenoshin, singer-songwriter who collaborated with Wanda on a concert program setting some of these dream tales uh, from the Civil War to music. They're going to be doing six Montgomery County performances. The first two will be June 2nd at Upstate Chapel in Canajoharie and the second one at Conservancy Hall in Glen on June 16th. This has been the Historian's Podcast, and Wanda, I should mention to you that your husband Ron is also a musician, and his group Liaison Plazentes, uh, if that's how you say it, a long time ago, gave us permission to use one of their songs as our theme, and we use it. And it's been so long, I can't remember the name of it. It's something to do with wassail, but it means uh, Historian's Podcast to me. Okay, great. I'm Bob Cudmore on the Historian's Podcast.